Ronstead, hanging out with Molly and Hawn. Molly and Hall, Chicago Sports Radio 670 the score. We're talking to Coach Wanstead on the Signature Bank Score Hotline. Signature Bank making commercial banking personal. And Dave, we were talking about uh about Jim Harbaugh as we went to break. There was uh, apparently a uh, a final decision made after talking about a couple of jobs and being uh, uh, you know, wanted for another, he has decided that he's returning to Michigan. He loves his job. I got to be honest with you. If I were a Michigan fan, and I'm not against Michigan, <laughs> but I, that would drive me crazy that, yes. that he's flirting with the NFL year in and year out and then coming back. Got to be well, a problem. And I think what happened a year ago, let's think of, let's go back there. You know, he was interviewing the night before signing date with the Minnesota Vikings and Minnesota, I'm sorry, Michigan let him do basically what he wanted to do. I will bet that Michigan was a little bit more aggressive with him this year. You know, I mean that, you know, you, you saw the quote from the president. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't remember seeing anything from the president last year. I'm sure he had a quote, but I would be willing to bet just what you're saying, Molly, that some alums, that some internal people, that they basically called Jim and said, "Hey Jim, you know this is we're not going to go through what we went through last year. Let us know now. We got to go get coach." So uh, they were prepared this year. I can tell you without getting into details that they were already getting a short list of coaches that would be possible uh, replacements for him if he left. I can tell you that for a fact. That's wow. great inside stuff, Dave. Yeah. Thank you yeah. for sharing well, that. Well, yeah, yeah I, I don't, I can't say who I, or I, how. That's but, okay. But, uh, we yeah. get it. That's that's good enough. But but they were prepared for that. Absolutely, you know. Dave, yep. I have to ask you this. So last night we heard all about how the Cowboys had not won a road playoff game since 1993, Pretty going easy. back eight straight games. So that game, I'm sure you remember, 30-20, to 20, Cowboys over 49ers. Your defense, four takeaways. That was that was a big moment. That was at the, the 92 season, and that was in the 93 playoffs, correct? Uh, that's Yeah, that was the NFC Championship game when yes. we beat the Niners out there. Yeah, Steve Young, yeah. Uh, yeah, you know what? In watching that game last night, I don't know what you guys thought. The difference of the whole game, I thought their defense played like they would have played. The running backs, they did give Pollard the ball more, which I loved. You know, he seems to be their first and second down back and short yardage and goal line, it seems to be Zeke. You know, they've kind of settled in on that. Mm-hmm. But the thing was, Dak Prescott, did you? Half the time, I thought they were in a two-minute mode. I mean, he was to the line of scrimmage. He knew the play. It was almost like he, I mean, you could just see the laser eyes that he was so focused. He ran the ball seven times, as we all saw, for 25 yards, which was different for him. He hadn't run it like that uh, in a couple years. So he was he was all in, and you could just feel the urgency, I thought, with the quarterback, Dak Prescott, and that, to me, was the difference in the whole game. They were a fast team, let's face it. And and Tampa's a slow team, guys. You know, it's you, you looked at a, a young, fast football team and an old, slow football team, and that was the results. Dave, is that it for Tom Brady? He threw a career-high 66 passes yeah. in that game. And he's got <laughs> volume of passes has been crazy this year. But, but uh, you know, does he want to get out of there? Is he, is he done with the NFL? He's 45. He'll be 46 next year. Well, that's not Tom Brady. I can tell you that because 
I go back to two years ago, and I've talked about this, when the Bears beat the uh, Tampa in Chicago, the Thursday night game, yeah. and remember Tom put four fingers up and got lost track of the, uh, the, the uh, downs or whatever happened at the end. Okay, the next week, if you remember, they started running the ball. They moved Gronk. Gronk didn't catch a pass for about five weeks after that game. Why? Because he was in there blocking. And I can tell you this, uh, Tom had a powwow with Bruce Arians and Byron Leftwich, the offensive coordinator, and said, if we don't run the ball and start throwing play action, it's not going to work for me in this offense, dropping back, throwing it. So I'm really surprised that the, the way this offense has unfolded, that uh, they're throwing it that much, because that's not, that has never been the New England Patriots style. And it, when they won the Super Bowl, that's not what they did. They completely changed their blueprint, uh, and it, it, it obviously didn't work. So, Dave, they're also having a conversation in Minnesota about their quarterback, Kirk Cousins. Okay, regular season, Kirk Cousins, only three NFL quarterbacks threw for more yards, only four NFL quarterbacks threw for more touchdowns. But on fourth and eight, you got to throw to the chains. And I don't know what he was doing and checking down. I understand the explanation. Kurt Warner explained it, his state of mind and why it made sense. But you've got to do more than that. Was that enough to raise doubts about his future in Minnesota? Boy, you know what? Look at his whole body of work. I would say no. I mean, I, I didn't think that he was the reason that they lost that game. You can't put it on that one play. I mean, you know, their, their defense obviously gave up too much. Uh, the running game, would they run for 50 yards or something like that? Uh, I, I'm not going to put that game on Kirk Cousins. Now, if you can't, I would just say this, okay, that if you cannot run the ball and play better defense, then maybe Kirk Cousins is not your guy, okay? He's But, but hey, the Giants converted over 50% of third downs. They made two for two on fourth down. They rushed for 140 yards held the ball that's not Kirk Cousins guys they held the ball seven more minutes than the, the Vikings did so I'm not putting that at all on Kirk Cousins you know you know who he is and uh that's the uh that's the that's that's what we got so you know no I'm, I'm not going down okay. that road I'm curious Dave um you know it seems just because a couple days have, have passed that that uh that uh, Brandon Staley is going to retain his job. And I wondered, as I watched that comeback and I watched them not run the ball and not do the things you do to kill the clock, I think they they ran five times in the second half. I think they ran from the point where they had a 27-point lead. They ran – they had running plays eight times. Yep. And one of those was a kneel down. Seven yep. running plays after you take a 27-point lead. I just It was like insane to me, and I, I really thought he could be in serious trouble. And then you wonder about Tom Telesco because the rumor was that that was a play because of the quarterback that uh, Sean Payton was interested. I, I, I just I wonder oh, I, what's going to happen. Yeah, I, I know for a fact Sean Payton's interested in that job. He's already have – he's got his staff put together. But, but you know, he, he's talking about – the ownership, he's talking about a combination of ownership and quarterback play. Well, that, you know, used, now maybe he's including if, if he goes to Houston and, they, and he loves the owners that they're going to let him draft who he wants. I, I don't know, but that has the quarterback. But I, the Chargers have never been a big jump out in front and pay the head coach money. 
So I think it has to do with ownership and the Chargers. Obviously, it's not the quarterback. Herbert's maybe he's the top five quarterback in the NFL. But that was terrible. And and he's done, he eliminated him because of what did he do? A couple he went for two years ago and didn't make it. And he kicked the field goal. They would have been in the playoffs. Too much analytics. He did get better this year. I know he's a young coach. I might be a little bit hard on him, but I, I would. I think it comes down to okay. If we get rid of this guy, who are we going to hire, and how much are we going to have to spend, and what are we going to have to do? And I don't think they want to make that commitment. That's my personal opinion. Because they could get they could get Peyton. He's already got a place in California. He'd love to stay out there. I know that. Well, Dave, I look at this playoff field, the teams remaining, and I think if I were owning a team, I would look at the impact a guy like Brian Dable has on the Giants, a guy like Doug Peterson has had on the Jaguars, and I look at the right hire with the right roster can get where you want to go in one year. The Giants being back in the playoffs, that's as much Dable as it is anything, and I think likewise – what the Jaguars have accomplished this year, even in a bad division, you can't you can't overlook the impact of Doug Peterson, especially in the way they won that game Saturday. Well, you know what? I look at both of them, and I know both of those guys. You know what both of them did? They they have talented quarterbacks. Let's be real. Daniel Jones does have talent, <clears throat> as does we know Trevor Lawrence. And they got they they somehow got their quarterbacks comfortable and confident and going out there and playing at a high level. And they made adjustments. I mean, you know, it's the Daniel Jones bootlegs, waggles. I mean, he's running as much as Justin Fields is. Right. And and they, but they're doing what they have to do to win games. Uh, you know, to me, that's the real key. Can you, can you get your quarterback believing if he does have talent in what you're trying to do on offense? And then obviously Saquon Barkley and the Giants defense has picked it up as, as, as Jacksonville. Uh, so, you know, that's, that's a real key that when you got talented quarterback, you're getting the most out of him and doing what he can do best. And I think both of those guys have done a fantastic job of that. I, I gotta tell you, I look at these games this weekend, the divisional round is set and, you know, the quarterbacks are a big story. We know how good the quarterbacks are. And there is one of these things that is not like the other. One of these things just doesn't belong. Um, Brock Purdy is, it's extraordinary. And I was saying to David, I think that maybe because they're just trying to use him to not ruin anything, that it's possible that everybody else, all those, all those skill position players are playing with top effort, top concentration and focus. Like they understand that, that he's the uh, rookie and he was a seventh round pick and he's Mr. Irrelevant. Yeah, you know what? A lot of times, and I've been in that situation where your star player was out, and everybody else, without you saying it, you don't stand up there and say, "Hey, we're playing with a rookie quarterback in a team." And, you know, defense, you got to pick it up, and we got to run the ball better. And receivers, we can't drop balls. You know, they're not going to be. You don't say that, but the players just have a feel for that, and they say it. They're smart. They're practicing with them. And I'll tell you what, I I, I got to say this about Purdy, and I watched him when he was at Iowa State. If, if a late-round draft pick like this kid is having success, everybody wants to say it's great coaching. Well, give the kid a little bit of credit. Do, you, do we realize the conditions that that kid played in? It was, it was muddy, it was raining, and it was windy, and he's playing in a playoff game, and they, they, ran, they threw the ball twice as much in the first half as they ran it. So that tells me that Shanahan 
has a lot of confidence in this kid, more confidence than, than, than maybe what people realize. And uh, I, I think he's just a really good player. Uh, is he going to be a Tom Brady? I don't know. I mean, you know, you, you look back over history, there's been a lot of late draft picks, guys. The Roger Staubachs. Go back to Bart Starr. I'm taking you, be, you know, way yeah, back. Yeah. I mean, all these guys were late draft picks that got in the right system with the right coach, and they really excelled. I think Purdy's one of those guys. I am with you, Dave. I love the enthusiasm for Brock Purdy. I love his story. I think it's the best one left. Let me ask you about Brady again, though. I because also think he's the worst quarterback I, left. And no, well, he, I, I'm not dissing him. He's I'm the just worst saying. quarterback. He's the best story. Yes, he can be and one they, of the and same. And they might be the best team. I think that's, yeah. that's probably true. Probably true. Well, and you know what helps him? If you're playing the 49ers right now, if you're playing the 49ers and you're the defensive coach. You are putting every – you know, they're going to create things to give him not easy opportunities, but look at the big plays that those guys make. If he gets the ball in McCaffrey's hands and he gets it in, same – always – they got enough – and the big tight end, I can't think of his name right now. Kittle. I mean, Kittle, you get the ball in their hands, they're going to make big plays for you. So, that's all part of it, though, guys. That is truly all part of it. Dave, I don't want to sound dumb here asking <clears throat> this question, and it sounds somewhat sacrilegious from a football standpoint, but – if you are building a team for next year and you want to compete and you look at the teams that don't have settled situations at quarterback, do you want Tom Brady? Do you want a guy that's going to be 46 in August? Don't you need like a perfect team around him to be able to ask him to excel under those circumstances? Absolutely. Absolutely. No, he's got to go to an established team, uh, that's on the that's a playoff team maybe or on the verge of the playoffs. You know now could you could Tom Brady go to the Miami Dolphins and make some noise? I think he could with Waddle and with yeah. uh, uh, the tight end they got uh, Gasecki and uh, and Tyree Kill. Are you kidding me? I guarantee you Tom Brady can get the ball out of his hand quick enough and make decisions and 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 help the Dolphins get to the Super Bowl. I think that would be a great fit for him. But it's got to be how many of those teams have that type of talent. You know, they might be as talented skill position as anybody in the NFL. You know, it, it's extraordinary. You look at these teams, and, and I, you know, I don't think the Jaguars are going to beat the Chiefs. But you look at the Chiefs, the Bengals, and the Bills. The Bengals and the Bills, man, that's going to be a phenomenal game. You look at those four teams left in the AFC, three of the best quarterbacks in the league. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And, and they've all played well. I mean, they're, yeah. they're just not talented, but they're all – they're all putting up pretty good numbers. No, that's um, – uh, and, and you know what's else? It, it's so tough to win in this NFL because there were a lot of games that we thought were going to be lopsided one way or another. And, you know, these teams compete. Look, yeah. the Baltimore game, my hat is – we talked about Jim Harbaugh. How about John Harbaugh? How about, how about the uh, effort that those guys gave? One I mean, play, that, Dave. One Dave, play. Dave, but who in the You're Harbaugh right. household yes. broke the clock when they were growing up because neither one can manage it? No, that was that was terrible. That, that that was bad. That was bad. That was bad at the end. That was bad. Even his dad was saying, "Call time." You know, oh yeah. I mean, come on. It, yeah. that, that was That's funny. Uh, yeah. Jalen Hurts, Dave. It, it, I mean, this guy separated his shoulder against the Bears. Believe yeah. it or not, and he's still not back. And there's still a question. And that's a division game, right? So. You know, when it's one of the things we saw, I think, this weekend. You play a team three times, that's hard, man. That's real hard. And I'll tell you what, it tells you how tough Justin Fields is. You know, and I know it was a different shoulder, but, you know, Justin Fields played the week after he had a separated shoulder. And it was a slight one, 
And we don't know how bad Jalen Hurts is, but he did finish that game. Don't lose sight. He came in and threw passes after he got hurt against the Bears. Uh, I think he'll definitely play for sure. Uh, but, but it's tough. The one thing that the Eagles have and the thing that the Giants had, I talked about urgency and speed with the Cowboys over an old Tampa team. When I watched the Giants and the Vikings, I said, there's a physical football team, the Giants. Yeah. They are more physical than what the Vikings are. The Vikings are not, in my opinion, a tough team. They're not a tough physical team. And that's with the edge that the Giants had. Well, guess what? The Philadelphia Eagles are a tough team. So this is going to be, uh, this will be a challenge for them. Uh, I, I, you know, I don't see how they beat the Eagles, but but they could. But they could, obviously, at this level, when you get down to these games, it's it's one play here or there. But I just think the Eagles have too much, uh, too many weapons, offense, defense, playmakers, defensive line. I like them. Dave, I want to ask you a coaching question. So when you watch the difference in execution of the quarterback sneak over the weekend. Trevor Lawrence, 6'6", reaches over, breaks the plane. That was huge. Then you see Tyler Huntley for the Ravens. Had he executed his quarterback sneak successfully, we wouldn't be talking about Bengals and Bills. We'd be talking Ravens, Bills, in all likelihood. And I wonder, how how accurate was John Harbaugh describing postgame what needs to be done in the quarterback sneak going low? And are there options for a quarterback in different ways to coach that play? Well, you work on, and we used to, because I love the quarterback sneak, upfield, thir- you know, third and one, short yardage, fourth and one, goal line. And y- you work with the quarterback at finding the soft spot. Tom Brady was a master at it. He would go up there and do it without even being called. If he saw where the tackle was leaning one way or another, and there was going to be a little soft spot in the defense. That's where you want to go with it. And for a yard, I, I, I get what John's saying because you don't practice it, guys. And here's the point. You, do, you cannot practice that play live in practice. You can't you, – very too, you, goal line, you practice at half speed, just getting the hats on the right people. But you never go full speed with the quarterback reaching the ball out. So – uh, for a young kid to try to do that, that maybe has never done it before, and he probably saw it happen, you know, a week before, or who knows, he, he might have saw it happen with Trevor Lawrence. I agree with John. You got to get down underneath that thing and keep your feet moving. Find the soft spot of the defense and and get it across. Don't take that chance. Yeah, I, I mean that was one of the most remarkable plays because it, it decided was. the game, and and I don't know that the right team won. But it did decide the game. Yeah, I agree, 100%. And uh, it's 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 a shame. It's a shame for Baltimore and and Huntley. But I I think uh, uh, I think they he's established himself. I'll tell you what, as a good quarterback, I don't think he's a starter front line. I don't think anybody would jump out there and say that. But I do believe that the kid solidified his position as far as hey, I, I deserve to be on this team or some team. You know. Uh, in the National Football League. He gives them leverage if they use a franchise tag on Lamar Jackson. He gives oh. them something to say, well, you know what, we'll move on at least until you figure this out. And if you pout and hold out, we have an option. Oh, that's going to happen. I I am, I am feel very strong that they're going to put the tag on him and they're going to trade him. I mean, and you look mm-hmm. at the history of this franchise, guys. You look at their DNA over the years. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think of the – they traded a receiver two years ago for draft picks. They truly are more about the draft picks, in my opinion, than they are a lot of times. They want the young draft pick guys if they can get them. 
And if there is a problem with anybody, they who did they tag? Hollywood Brown. There you go. And and they wasted no time in trading him. That's right. So I think that's what's going to happen with Lamar Jackson. I think he's going to be someplace else. They'll get a couple ones for him. And John Harbaugh is secure. The franchise loves him. They believe in him. The players do. And they move on down the road. Particularly, you know, there was a little bit of, and I know players support players, but I read Mike Vick's comment. And, you know, and I know, you know, he, he you know, and then some of the comments in the locker room, there's a problem there. So there, there's an issue in that locker room with Lamar, his injury, his practicing, his playing that I don't think is out there in the public yet. But read between the lines, I think there's something going on. Dave, you're the best. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate your time. Thanks, Dave. Oh, okay, guys. Be safe. Bye-bye. That is Coach Wanstead. He's fantastic. Strong stuff. Really, really good. good opinions. Yeah, no doubt about it. 312-644-6767. We'll come back with your calls. It's Mully and Hall on the score. Mully and Hall, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 the score. Obviously, Kevin Warren introduced today as the uh, the new Bears president. It'll happen at noon. It will be here on the score. And um, there will be some people in college uh, sports that will be looking askew. Well, they'll be looking askew, but some will be celebrating the fact that he's leaving college sports. Some people in the Big Ten constituency for understandable reasons, I suppose. Uh, But I was surprised to see this criticism over the weekend by SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey, who uh, (laughs) took a couple shots at Kevin Warren, whose tenure at – with the Big Ten as a commissioner can be termed no other way but successful, but that isn't the way, or let's just say not his tenure not celebrated by guys like the SEC commissioner. He committed as a leader, and we need leaders today in college football and college sports, not leaders who make a stop to build a resume and go on to something else, but those who understand the problems ahead are real and demand our attention. Well, I mean, that's a shot. Kevin Warren made a stop, and he got a multi-billion-dollar media rights deal done. That's part of his legacy. Uh, the expansion uh, into the LA market, a big part of his legacy, and um, and clearly, uh, Greg Sankey, whose SEC has expanded as well, in kind of reaction to what uh, the Big Ten has done, not pleased well, with Kevin Warren. You know, he, as he sees it. Coming into town, expanding the conference, getting the right deal, and then leaving. The SEC is adding Texas and Oklahoma. Yes. Good moves for that conference. The mega conference is, is reality in college sports. And leadership is getting things done. Leaders get things done. And I don't know that you have to stay at a place a, a certain number of years to fulfill some sort of obligation. Contractually, we don't know the details about Kevin Warren and the Big Ten, except for the fact that, this seems as if it's a more comfortable environment, the professional sports environment for him to work in because of his past. You don't want somebody staying at a job because he feels like he has the requisite n- amount of time he has to serve and finish a sentence, if you will. He got things done. He's moving on. I don't know what Greg Sankey's beef is with Kevin Warren, but he clearly has one. He's basically calling the guy a carpetbag. Yes, he is. I mean, that's what he's doing, whether yeah. that's, you know, 
nice or not is another question. But that seems to be the way that uh, that uh, he views him, and, well, and I don't think that's. I don't think it's accurate, frankly, but I don't know. I don't know what his view of the world is. I don't think it's accurate, and I don't think it's particularly fair either, but I do think it is representative of the kind of response Kevin Warren leaving the Big Ten for the Bears has gotten because we know, and I know from talking to people who have worked with Kevin Warren, that the smooth uh orator that you're going to see today he's going to make a he's going to win the press conference by two touchdowns Mm -hmm. he's going to be very impressive today he's going to have that presence he's going to command the room the way that we have described but there have been some rooms that he's you know maybe ruffled some feathers and not been as popular as he will be today and those are the kind of people that you were going to hear from you know some quietly uh, off the record behind the scenes and some publicly like Greg Sankey but Kevin Warren did not have consensus approval or popularity during his three-year tenure as Big Ten commissioner. Yeah, and and I mean, I okay, it was a three-year tenure. You know, it started with everything that was happening with uh, the COVID situation, and it ends with this expansion of of the uh, of the 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 uh, conference and an influx of massive amount of capital, and and somehow that makes him an opportunist. I don't understand that. If Greg Sankey wants to be critical, look in your own conference at the coaches that have taken advantage of stops and built resumes and moved on before they fulfilled their commitments places at places. You look at schools and institutions and programs like Auburn that maybe, you know, that's just one example, but there are others. Yeah, you have this happens all the time in college sports. I don't know why this stands out as much to a, a guy like this SEC commissioner as much as it did. Well, I think it's obvious that it's, it, it, you know, it has forced them to try to follow suit. It's put them in a situation like he's going to have a couple more people calling him too, right? He's got more uh, phones to answer, more people to, to try to make happy. Um, I, I, but I mean, you know, we have, we have all known plenty of climbers over the course of, of our careers is there a problem with that? Is there something wrong with ambition? Is there something wrong with trying to move on to the next best, et cetera? I mean, we congratulate coaches. We talk, Remember when Lovey was here and we talked about his resume where every two years he was moving somewhere else? What, why is that a bad thing? Why, I, if someone is willing to kind of do that, then why? I mean, the idea being that he, that he came into college uh, sports and then immediately left – somehow makes him less worthy as a candidate well, I, to someone. I, I, just, I also think it's really, really naive for somebody who is as accomplished as Greg Sankey right. is or anybody in that role to ignore or maybe willfully ignore the idea that this is professional satisfaction. This is someone pursuing happiness. And everybody's definition of career success or just success in general is different. And what you may think is a great move for somebody going to yeah. uh, a, a, a school or a program or whatever, whether that's coaching or as an administrator, everybody finds whatever makes them comfortable. And that fit is, is dependent on the person, each individual. Right. Kevin Warren, it doesn't sound like it. We'll hear more today at noon, but it doesn't sound like he felt like he fit perfectly in the college sports landscape. But he did feel like it was a, a better, more compatible professional fit in professional football, in the NFL specifically. 
And I think it was Dan Weeder who said this. The NFL can be addictive. And so if this is more comfortable for him, he fulfilled his time and his duty as the Big Ten commissioner, so be it. Let, him, let Live and let live. This is the guy who's pursuing his professional goals. But I guess the question then is, David, when you hired him, when you brought him in, did you think that there would be a longer-term commitment? Did he somehow, you know, do you regret – Hiring a guy that was only there for that period of time. If I'm somebody in the Big Ten? That's what I'm asking. No, I don't regret it because it was a very productive exactly. tenure that exceeded expectations in terms of how quickly he got things done. Yeah. Maybe you expect done. maybe you expect expansion. That was always on the yeah, table. Always. Uh, you expected and hoped that the media rights deal would be done. To get it all done within a three-year time frame, I wouldn't – I may be surprised once the shock wore off, I would be uh, appreciative of the fact that he got things done and, and this was as productive as it was. I got to tell you, um, I think there are so many complications coming into college sports. It's it's turned in such a different fashion that I think it, a lot of people might not have anticipated how much it would turn. And, you know, when you hear about Jim Harbaugh and him going out just to tie it in, you hear that he's not a big fan of the portal, that he doesn't like that idea that guys are, are you know, coming in and going. Well, you know, he's doing that maybe, right? So he's looking around. Um, but he doesn't seem to appreciate that element of this. I don't know anyone that does. I mean, you know, the, the transfer portal has gotten a little out of control. And I like that idea of limiting the, the second trip to the transfer portal or doing something to sort just because I, I don't think you want to be like a hired gunslinger jumping around the country and looking for NIL deals. And I, and I would fear that that would be a possibility I, if you get beyond one transfer. You're right. right. It's a very complex world now. And it, different uh, people are well-suited for it and others might not be. I also think there's so many self-interest being served by criticisms like this that you just don't know what's at the core. This could be related to... Uh, anything from the expansion we're referencing or the yes. media rights deal that, that the SEC is envious of, or it could be related to the college football playoff field, the expansion that now will go to 12 teams, which Kevin Warren has gone, had two different opinions and flipped on that, and he may have alienated people versus on one side and then changing his mind, alienated people on the other. You just don't know what's at the root of this. It seems personal, though. Where are you at with that, by the way? With the college football playoff? Yes. I don't really like the 12 team. Yeah. I don't really like the, I was, the inclusion. I was kind of all for it until the, the Georgia TCU game. You're going to see that. In, that's in a, my fear. You're going to see that more often yeah. than, than not, I think. And that's what is unfortunate. You, you, the concept of Cinderella doesn't work for me in college football the way it does in the NCAA basketball tournament. It just isn't realistic. Three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven. Let's squeeze in our buddy Frankie Z. Hey Frankie, hello boys. I haven't talked to you in a while. How you doing? Good. Hey, listen, just real quickly. I agree ninety percent of what you're saying about uh, about uh, Kevin Warren, and I I I don't have any qualms about him becoming uh, what he's becoming. Uh, God bless him for pursuing his goals. Mike, my thought was yesterday, David. You said something about uh, Ryan Poles is now going to have to. Um, uh, bounce some things off of Warren or clear some things of Warren. And my question is, what kind of things do you think that that are, is going to entail? Because 
Well, anyway, just what kind of things do you think that would entail? What would Ryan Poles have to bounce off of him? Thanks, Frankie. Thanks, Frankie. I don't know if it was yesterday, maybe last week. Didn't yeah. work yesterday. Right. But just anything that has to do with a major investment, anything that has to do with what do you think of this uh, spending $100 million on this left tackle or this defensive tackle or defensive end, you've got to have somebody who is a sounding board. Yeah, I, I like that idea. We're going to bring in Mike Florio next. We'll get his take on it. Mully and Hall on the score. Talk.com, NBC Sports, Twitter.com slash Pro Football Talk. NFL Insider, Mike Florio. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score. We love our opportunity to talk to Mike Florio. He joins us now. On the Signature Bank score hotline, Signature Bank, making commercial banking personal. Michael, good morning. How are you? Doing great. How are you guys? Good. We are living the dream, and we're waiting uh, at noon today. The Bears will introduce their new president, Kevin Warren. It'll be official, and we'll get to hear from him about how he plans on uh, what what his role is, how he plans on doing it, and what it means for the uh, – for the team moving forward, and and the Bears need help, so that's good. Yeah, Kevin Warren is a solid administrator. He doesn't overstep his bounds. He's not going to try to claim credit for football success. He's not going to try to insinuate himself into the football operations if he operates in a manner consistent with how he did in Minnesota. He was essentially a surrogate owner there for the Wilfs because they live in New Jersey, they needed someone there to basically run the show when they were operating their real estate empire on you know the other side of the country. So he, he, he's been in that position before where he runs the team, he's in charge, but he trusts the football people to make the football decisions and he doesn't get in their way. He supports them. So I think it's, it's good news all in all for the Bears. And the only question is, will it be a – fairly temporary job because his name gets mentioned from time to time as the potential next commissioner. Mike, let's stay local for a moment. I appreciated the way you weighed in over the weekend on the ridiculousness of the idea of trading Justin Fields uh, for the Bears, and you are definitely against that. Why? Well, the draft is like going to the convenience store and buying a bunch of lottery tickets and taking them home and scratching them off. When you scratch off a winner, you don't trade it in for more lottery tickets and start scratching all over again. We don't know whether Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud or anybody who's taken in the first overall pick is going to become a successful NFL player. Look at the track record. It really is a coin flip. For all the money and time and effort that's put into scouting these guys, we don't know and we won't know until they're competing at the NFL level. You have a guy in Justin Fields who is the most dangerous running threat right now at the quarterback position. He's a work in progress as a passer. It's on the organization to get the most out of his skills. And let's play it forward because I don't think this happens enough. There's not enough projecting of what is the world going to look like if we do X. If you take a quarterback with the first overall pick and trade Justin Fields, it puts even more pressure on the kid who, minding his own business, trying to make his way in the NFL, all of a sudden, has an immediate bar that he has to clear. He's got to be better than Justin Fields right away, or everyone's going to say, why did you trade Justin Fields? It reminds me of what's happened to Trey Lance, 
who was minding his own business when the 49ers decided that they've screwed up the quarterback position every year. They said no to Patrick Mahomes. They said no to Tom Brady. Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't getting them where they wanted to be. So let's go all in with three first-round picks and another high pick, and let's go get Trey Lance. They don't think about the pressure it puts on the kid to come in and perform. So that is another major factor in this. And if I were Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud, I I wouldn't want to. And we're going to see this day sooner than later where one of these teams is going to have a high pick and kid who has $10 million in the bank after taxes from his NIL deal is going to say, sorry, I'm not coming to your team. I can sit out a year. I got money. I'll wait till next year. Mm. I don't want to come be part of a dysfunctional mess or step into a spot where I have nowhere to go but down. Mike, I know Tom Brady is, uh, has got options, and he's, he looked old yesterday. Um, where does he end up? Do you think he leaves? It just feels like it's not going to work in Tampa. If they, They've already paid a first-round pick for him in Miami. You know, why not bring him in? And, uh, and we were saying maybe the Niners. I, I mean, that's crazy, but where's Tom end up? Well, hey, the Niners said no to him back in 2000 when they drafted Giovanni Carmazzi in round three instead of Brady <laughs> in any round before the Patriots did. They said no to him in 2020 when he very much wanted to play for the 49ers. They decided to stick with Jimmy Garoppolo. Last year, I think something was going on behind the scenes quietly, same time as it was with Miami, for him to possibly go there. They decided to stay the course with Trey Lance. This year, maybe they consider him. But you know what? There's a different factor now. I think he's going to want to stay relatively close to his kids after everything that's gone on in his personal life. And I'm not ready to move on from the idea of him teaming up with Sean Payton. I think that they may be determined to try to band together both guys who were suspended by the NFL at one point under circumstances where you would say the commissioner is maybe being a little heavy-handed, it's an opportunity for them to join forces and give a giant middle finger to 345 Park Avenue a year after everything blew up in Miami and they weren't able to get together there. I'm watching Carolina. It just makes a ton of sense for Peyton and Brady to get together in Carolina. I don't know this. I'm not reporting it, but I'm just, to the extent we're connecting dots, if Peyton gets that job in Carolina and the cupboard is currently bare at the quarterback position, just like it was when he went to New Orleans in 2006, he tried to get Tony Romo before we even know who Tony Romo was. The, the Cowboys refused to trade Romo, so he ends up with Drew Brees because the Dolphins said we can't sign a quarterback with 20-plus studs in his shoulder after having it completely reconstructed surgically. Peyton will figure it out, and he may figure it out by bringing in Brady. And if you're Brady, you stay on the East Coast, and you're in the worst division in football. Every team was below 500. And uh, you, you, you could, you could uh, run that division with a great defense and they have a great running game. They have all the stuff that the Panthers or the Buccaneers currently don't have. So I don't think he's ready to walk away. He threw 66 passes last night. And on that one interception, it was a clear duck and cover. I'm not going to take a square hit from a 300-pound defensive lineman move. But, but still, still, even at 46, he's still got his arm. He used it extensively last night. And I don't think he's ready to retire. He said something at one point this year on his podcast along the lines of it was after they lost to the Browns in overtime. I'd rather play and lose than not play at all. And that was just like six weeks ago. Wow. I don't think he's ready to walk away. Mike, a lot of people in Minnesota, maybe you're one of them uh, who are Vikings fans, would like <laughs> Kirk Cousins to not play at all next year or play somewhere else. What are the chances they 
uh, are having a conversation about what to do about their quarterback after the disappointing way Sunday Saturday's game ended? Well, you know, we, we've learned a lot about Kirk Cousins over the years, and at a certain point, the the trend becomes reality. The narrative becomes truth. Under normal circumstances, when everything is going well, he can be a very highly functioning, well-performing quarterback. He gets taken for granted in that he's always healthy. He takes a beating, and he always gets up. He takes that square hit. He doesn't do the duck and cover move, and he always finds a way to answer the bell. He never misses time. He always plays effectively. But in the big moments, when the lights are shining the brightest, something goes haywire, something misfires. And even though he statistically had a great game on Sunday, even though the defense is the reason why they ultimately lost, when the season's on the line, fourth and eight, and you don't throw the ball to Justin Jefferson, even if he's double covered, you don't hang in there for another split second while K.J. Osborne, a very underrated guy who may be their number two receiver next year, pops open, and you throw it five yards short of the stick, that just underscores the narrative that, you know, when you have Joe Burrow who thrives on those moments and steps up and performs, Kirk Cousins just doesn't. And we thought this was the year he would because we saw it over and over again in the regular season. You can rattle off all the come-from-behind wins, and we thought that that would all be prologue to some sort of a great performance in the postseason, and it's a rattling off wins, and and in the very first game, at home, table set, everything's ready. He, he didn't get it done. So here's the problem, though. And they went through this last year. If you get rid of him, who comes in? Tom Brady? I mean, who are you going to get? Who's going to be the Vikings quarterback for 2023 who will at least allow you to be a team that's in position to contend for the postseason? So I think it's one more year with Cousins, but they better be thinking about their options for 2024 and beyond because it may only be one more year for Cousins. Mike, thanks a ton. Great catching up with you. Appreciate it. Thanks, Mike. Great talking to you guys. Have a great week. That is Mike Florio. Always it's, fun. It's relevant to the division. Very interesting. It's relevant in the Bears yeah. division if they yeah. are one year away from moving on and if they don't move on this offseason, what what's their future look like? It's too cold for Tom. <laughs> no? they, they play indoors. Yeah, but I'm saying he's going to have to walk to the car and <laughs> – you know, Tom I, I, likes the little son. I still think he, he did throw 66 passes. He does have something left. I just think he looked like guy last night just reminded you of how hard it must be to play NFL football can, at, can, at 45. I'm going to ask you a question about Cliff Kingsbury when we come back. This is maybe the single greatest story that's out there, and it we is. haven't talked about it. It's, it's Mully and Haw at Chicago Sports Radio 6-7 to score.